All right. Welcome, everyone, to He's Done It, a mostly sports podcast. I'm Corey Novotny, and I'm joined this week, as always, by my co-host, Brian Wells. In this week's episode, we'll be mostly focusing on the NFL draft, as that is set to take place this weekend in Cleveland, with the first round starting on Thursday night. And we'll certainly be providing an emphasis on that first round. We're going to talk about the quarterbacks as there's uh, an expectation that we're going to see a lot of them fly off the board early. We'll try to play matchmaker on uh, several player and team ideal combinations throughout the first round. And we'll talk about, of course, our New England Patriots and Pittsburgh Steelers, our expectations, desires, predictions, whatever about what we want what we think will happen this weekend. From there, we'll get ready to wrap up the episode with our five-question segment, where we'll be answering questions on seven-inning no-hitters, the Oscars, the European Super League, and more. So with that, let's get started. just the two of us this week we took last week off i i actually uh, had spent last week getting my second covid19 vaccine dose so i was kind of glad with the way everything had played out i didn't have terrible symptoms uh you know afterwards but i I was definitely feeling a little fatigued i don't think i would have been in the mood for a podcast so uh, i was glad to take the week off have you gotten your first shot at this point i'm getting mine this friday my first dose all right that's very exciting. So, you know, definitely getting to the point where we can start to have a, a good comfort level in, uh, you know, the real world back in the society. But for now, let's kind of focus on what is directly in front of us. And that is the 2021 NFL draft, which is set to begin this weekend, Thursday night in Cleveland. And let's kind of start from the top. And I think that the biggest storyline heading into this weekend, particularly the first round, is the fact that there are five quarterbacks that are not only expected to go in the first round, but could very likely all go in the top 10. And that's starting with Clemson's Trevor Lawrence. So coming into the season, he was projected to be the number one overall draft pick and nothing has changed. He's kind of considered this can't miss prospect, you know, once every 10 years kind of quarterback. So there's very little doubt that the Jacksonville Jaguars and Urban Meyer are going to draft him number one overall. But there has been a little bit of controversy that's arose in the past couple weeks surrounding Lawrence. Some of the quotes that have come from his camp, his dad saying uh, as far as his commitment to the sport his passion his desire to win that it's not really there like he's not this guy who needs to win a Super Bowl at all costs he could walk away from football tomorrow and be okay with it how concerned are you with that do you believe that's a red flag or like he's okay to care about other things outside of football and still be a good player 
I don't I don't want to say it's a red flag, but I guess it's a little concerning because I'll admit as someone that uh got to root for Tom Brady on the Patriots for 20 years, I like to have I like to root for a quarterback that's wired a little differently and wants to go out there and prove that prove that he's the best and and wants to prove everyone wrong and he's still mad about being drafted sixth with in the sixth round, 199th overall. 22 years later and uh, so maybe I'm looking at it the wrong way because the the guy that I rooted for for the longest time is wired in a way where he wants to go out and prove everyone wrong when Trevor Lawrence is kind of just whatever but Trevor Lawrence also said it's hard to explain because I want people to know that I'm passionate about what I do and it's really important to me end quote and I think I think Trevor Lawrence is just not a fiery guy I think he's just kind of but kind of whatever but he wants he still wants to prove that he's he's passionate about what he's doing or at the quarterback position and he wants to prove that he's the right guy for the job I don't know but just he's just not the same fiery type of guy like Brady I don't know not not every athlete is Tom Brady or Michael Jordan just you know obsessed with winning they have this competitiveness to them and I get that and I, I don't necessarily have an issue with Trevor Lawrence being passionate about things outside of football and he's someone who like cares about other people he he values human rights and he's going to be that kind of person in the Jacksonville community or you know wherever else he may end up throughout his career and uh, just giving back and I think that's a good thing but I, I I can't help but feel a little concerned when I hear things like he could walk away tomorrow and like the, there's certainly you know, I, I don't know if I would call it a red flag per se, yeah. but I, I would certainly feel like a little uneasy about this if I'm a Jaguars fan. And like this whole idea that, okay, well, Andrew Locke was like the last guy who was supposed to be the can't miss prospect. And the Colts certainly don't regret drafting him. Maybe he regrets where he went, uh, you know, just given that they didn't have the protection that he needed but that ultimately kind of led to him having a shorter career that he was someone who has just decided to walk away that just wasn't worth it to him anymore yeah and part of it Is was Jacksonville going to give him the support system to make him not want to do that I don't know th- th- no I-, I agree with that I mean Andrew Luck he retired and I feel like not only was it because of what he was surrounded by but also the injuries and he also had passions outside of football he talked about uh, architecture a lot. I think that's what yeah, his major right? was, and he wanted to be a teacher. Yeah. And so he had, he has a, he had other passions as well. So I, I think that is the best comp, Andrew Luck, just given the fact that Andrew Luck was a guy that he was going to be the number one overall pick, and people knew that a year earlier, a year prior, before he was even taken. And so I, I would, yeah, I don't think it's a red flag, but do we have a right to be concerned, especially? Him going number one overall, yeah, I would say so. And I know this isn't the greatest comparison talent-wise, but we just had this conversation about three years ago about Josh Rosen, and obviously that did not work out. And I get it, Rosen, he he went tenth overall. He was never expected to be like this number one can't miss prospect. But there were a lot of concerns that oh, he's he's a smart guy. He cares about things outside of football. And, you know, everyone at the time was making the same kind of comments about Trevor Lawrence. And I don't necessarily think it'll get to that See, point. But I, I do think there's a valid reason to be like, ah, you know, I'm a little nervous about this. Do you remember Do you remember when Josh Rosen was taken 10th overall by the Cardinals and he was being interviewed in a press conference? And he said, yeah, I think there were nine mistakes made before mm. me. I mean, so <laughs> yeah. he actually did have a quote unquote chip on his shoulder and that he wanted to prove 
uh, people wrong. Maybe he was a little bit of a fiery guy. I don't know, but uh, yeah. Trevor Lawrence not being taken first overall would probably, in theory, give him that chip on his shoulder for the first time because he's never had a reason to have that. He's always been the star. He's always been the best player on the field in every game he plays in. Like he's he's always been that guy from the beginning. When he went to Clemson, like he right away as a freshman, he was like this phenom, and he didn't lose a game his entire freshman year. He lost two games in his entire college career, and they're both in the college football playoffs. So. I I think that, it's it's fair to say like he hasn't had that chip on his shoulder and if things go wrong in Jacksonville which let's be honest is Urban Meyer going to really inspire anyone to think that he's going to turn around a franchise that has been mediocre at best in the last 25 years I don't know that there's going to be uh you know a whole lot of reasons to believe that Trevor Lawrence can all of a sudden turn things around and we're not going to just see another case of Andrew Luck I mean besides the comments that Trevor Lawrence has made in the past couple weeks the the two losses that he had in college, I mean, those were two of the biggest games of his career outside of the his national championship win in his freshman year. And I don't know if it's because it was in the Mercedes Superdome and he just sucks there, but I don't know. In those two games, he wasn't really that great, and he got outplayed by the opposing, the, not only the opposing team's defense, but the opposing quarterbacks. I mean, Justin Fields yep. and, and uh, Joe Burrow outplayed him in those games. Yeah, there's no doubting that. And look, I'm not going to all of a sudden start rooting for Trevor Lawrence. He goes or he he played for my rival school at Clemson, and normally that's not a thing that wouldn't stop me from uh, you know rooting for a guy if they go to a team that I like, but I I I don't care about the Jaguars. And you know, I don't want to come out and say like I hope that his career is a disaster, but I certainly won't be rooting for it to be a success. And if uh, some of these concerns that some people are having turn out to be true, I'm I'm not going to be all that upset about it. So you just mentioned Justin Fields coming into the season. He was widely considered the number two prospect, not just the number two quarterback, not just the guy who's expected to go number two overall to a quarterback needy team, but the number two prospect in the entire draft. And uh, like you also just said, he outplayed Trevor Lawrence in one of the biggest games of the season, the college football playoff semifinals. And here we are two days before the draft recording this and not only is expected that he's not the number two guy but he might not even be the number three guy there's a lot of questions about this and I I guess let's let's start with the Jets at number two is Zach Wilson and I, I really don't understand what changed in the past few months since that Ohio State victory over Clemson that made people say hey you know what Justin Fields isn't the number two guy it's actually Zach Wilson can you fill me in on that? Like, do you nah, have an I'll, understanding? I'll admit, I also don't get it. And when I watch the tape on Zach Wilson, and when I say tape, I mean YouTube videos and highlights on SportsCenter. <laughs> when I watch the quote-unquote yeah, tape. You have direct scouting. No, you're, you're in the Patriots scouting department. Yeah, you get yeah. full oh, access yeah. to that. Yeah, don't <laughs> tell anyone. Yeah. But, no, yeah, so when it comes to Zach Wilson, I mean, I'll admit, I don't know too much about him outside of the things I just said. and And also... I'll admit, I defer to the experts when it comes to Zach Wilson. And if people say that he's the right guy for the Jets and that he has all the tools to be a franchise quarterback, you know what, whatever. But I'll, in my opinion, I think Justin Fields is the second best quarterback and second best player in this draft. And if I were, if I were in the Jets, uh, if I were the Jets GM, I would take Fields. But that looks like it's not going to be the case. And another thing about Zach Wilson, 
Do you yeah. remember uh do you remember Jimmy Clausen out of Notre Dame? I do. He I looks do just Jimmy like Clausen. him. And Jimmy Clausen yeah. was awful. Not only was he awful at Notre Dame, he was just as bad in the NFL. And didn't Mel Kuyper say he would uh retire from his job if Jimmy Clausen wasn't like a phenomenal quarterback that sounds like something mel kiver would say yeah i'm pretty sure he said that obviously that didn't he, happen he also I, said, i'm curious if he said something similar about wilson he also said the colts way way back should should have drafted trent dilfer in the top five and and then he got called out by the colts gm i'm pretty sure he did yeah that video is circulating and they took a guy that you can't even name so no. You know who Trent Dilfer is, so I mean, was he really all that wrong over a guy who played 13 NFL seasons and won a Super Bowl? I guess led not. teams to the playoffs. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I get it, but anyway, I guess the, the focus on Zach Wilson. He was phenomenal this year at BYU. He's kind of similar to Joe Burrow in the sense that he was a quarterback that wasn't all that great until his last season and then he just skyrocketed to the point where he was kind of in the Heisman conversation. I think he threw for like 3,600 yards. 33 touchdowns, three picks. But BYU wasn't playing the greatest schedule. I mean, his, his top opponents, Coastal Carolina, Boise State, UCF, he, he played great against those teams. And it's not necessarily to say that, oh, he played terrible competition, so it doesn't matter because NFL stat or college stats don't really matter when it comes to the NFL anyway. He had a great pro day, but Justin Fields also had a great pro day. So I, I, I don't know. I don't really understand it. I, I would use the conference as a red flag, but we've also seen guys like Carson Wentz and Josh Allen who played at mid, mid-level schools. They they end up being top picks and excelling. Well, maybe not Carson Wentz at the moment, but there was a point in his career where he was excelling. So Patrick Mahomes went 5-7 and seven his last year at Texas Tech. So. Yeah. I mean, it's like one of those things where like playing at small schools, not not winning in college. Like there's like a lot of things. It's not fair to necessarily use that as a reason to knock a quarterback. Uh, But it's not even like that was like what pushed him ahead of Justin Fields, because we were saying should Fields go ahead of Lawrence and on like, you know, December 28th when I mean, I I remember saying uh, after the Clemson Ohio State game, I wasn't saying that the Jags should take Justin Fields, but I but what I did say was I wouldn't be I wouldn't be so mad about being if I were a Jets fan, I wouldn't be mad about having Justin Fields as a constellation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I know here we are with Zach Wilson and look, it's the Jets. They obviously don't have the best track record. They just used the third overall pick on Sam Darnold three years ago. And there's plenty of uh, reason to maybe feel like things are going to go wrong with Zach Wilson, whether or not it's because he's not a, you know, he's not the, the prospect that everyone wants him to be. But let's uh, let's kind of you know move on to there and talk about number three. So the very much the expectation is number one is going to be Trevor Lawrence of the Jaguars. Number two is going to be Zach Wilson of the Jets. Obviously, we could be having a lot of smoke screens. Something crazy happens on draft night. Uh, but there's there's not a whole lot of reason to believe anything else will happen. And because of that, it basically feels like the draft starts with a third overall pick, and that's the San Francisco 49ers. And at this point, all signs are looking like Kyle Shanahan is going to draft Alabama quarterback Mac Jones and then murder jimmy garoppolo a couple days later (laughs) yeah i saw that where kyle shannon was saying that i can't guarantee you anyone will be alive he's he's just gonna thanos snap him out of existence you know hope he takes out jimmy justin fields trey lance be like see i made the right pick like 
I, just a wild quote like hey hey jimmy i got some uh, i got some beautiful dior suits right 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 around the corner over there yeah no keep keep going keep going just right around the corner and there you go takes him behind the bar and shoots him like rest in peace jimmy garoppolo like sorry he's not coming to the patriots he's dead but uh yeah here we are with mac jones and This is a tough one for me because this is another case where you can kind of look at it as like Zach Wilson versus uh, Justin Fields is like, what did what did Mac Jones do to bump himself ahead of Justin Fields? Now, he had a phenomenal season. I know that 4,500 yards, 41 touchdowns, four interceptions. Uh, But he was playing in Alabama. He was playing behind one of the best offensive lines in college football the last few years. Some of the best receivers in football as well, to the point where one of them actually won the Heisman Trophy. They won the Heisman over him. Yeah, I mean that that's that tells you what everyone thought about you know Mac Jones and how he contributed to that offense. That they gave it to Devontae Smith. Him and Jalen Waddle are both going to be first round picks. There's a good chance that Najee Harris is running back, who was a leading rusher at Alabama. Like he's going to be the uh, a first round pick as well. So I think that there's a lot of reasons to question that. But at the same time, Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle both said that he's better than Tua. And Tua was this guy that everyone was like losing their mind over a year ago. And like, I, I don't know. It, it's one of those things where how much of it is just that we were told Justin Fields is great and he should go ahead of Mac Jones. And Mac Jones is just a guy that came out of nowhere and uh, he's being like way overhyped at the last minute. Versus Mac Jones is actually going to be a really good quarterback in the NFL, and he's going to be a better guy than Justin Fields. It, it's like I, I, I can't fully process this, and it, 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 I don't know how much of it is like me being legitimate when I say that Fields should go ahead of Mac Jones versus me just you know not realizing, not or like failing to recognize that Jones is an actual NFL prospect quarterback and a guy who would be perfect in Shanahan's system. I mean, the thing for me is. I- I don't. It would be unfair to say Mac Jones is just a little bit better than AJ McCarron, Greg McElroy, and whoever else has been the Alabama quarterback. But I don't know. To for him to go third overall, I think is just so insane. If I'm drafting a quarterback that high, I want to have a guy that's that has more tools and has more upside. I mean, people have talked about how Mac Jones is probably the most pro ready. Uh, out of all these quarterbacks and he has his 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 accuracy is off the charts and he has good footwork in the pocket but third overall and ahead of Justin Fields I I can't get I can't really get behind that I guess the one good thing I'll say is that he's not going to some bum team like the 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 Texans or the Lions or or whomever but and he's going to a good coach like Kyle Shanahan so he's he's surrounded by a good team but I I don't understand how he went from a second round high second round low first round pick all the way to number three it that makes no sense to me yeah and I I do think he'll have success in San Francisco in that Shanahan system just the 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 best draft comp that I've heard for him is Matt Ryan who 12 years ago 13 years ago was a number three overall pick in the draft and he won MVP playing in Kyle Shanahan's system, so maybe there's, there's reason to really buy into that. But like, I, I agree with you. It just it seems crazy how Jones has just skyrocketed up the board, and this is just another guy who's who's passed Justin Fields um, in the in terms of draft stock. So I. I, I don't know. It's it's such a weird one to me. I'm fully expecting Jones to go number three overall, but I, I just can't convince myself that this is the, the right decision at this no, time. No, I, I can't. I, I, would, I would rather have Trey Lance 
over Mac Jones. I, I'd rather have the unknown possible huge upside than the, the safe choice. So I, mean, I guess that's kind of a, a good segue into the the last quarterback, Trey Lance, and he's he's kind of like that mystery quarterback, like you said. Like there's, there's this idea he has a lot of upside, but he's this unpolished guy. He's someone who's he's he's very capable of kind of moving outside of the pocket. He can beat you on the run, but maybe there are some questions about his passing game, and it would really benefit him to spend a year, maybe even two, learning under. Uh, a great quarterback, you know, great head coach, great offensive system before finally taking over as a starting quarterback in 2022 or later. So I guess just given that, what do you think is like the ideal fit? Like what, what team do you think makes the most sense for Trey Lance? So out of the teams that are, that are in the range of four through 10, so around the top 10, I would say the Denver Broncos make the most sense. I think if they if they add a quarterback, let's let's face it, Drew Locke, he's not that great. Yeah, and, as as someone who picked him to win MVP last season, I'm I'm willing to admit that I was just a little off on my uh, Drew Locke love. Yeah, and when I look at the Broncos roster, I feel like they're this might sound a little too hot takeish, but I feel like they're a quarterback away from being a team that could possibly contend for a playoff spot i don't don't think that's that's a hot take at all i totally agree that was the reason why i was so high on the broncos and drew lock last year because i thought that if he was competent that (laughs) i mean they had a a roster around him to be successful yeah and i and they also get Cortland sutton back from injury after Mm -hmm. missing all last season with with a torn acl and they drafted jerry judy last year so i think and kj hamler at their first two picks right and i think i think that the broncos have enough weapons to help out lance and and be a successful quarterback in the league. So I would say the Broncos make the most sense. So I I disagree a little on that one because to me, when I'm looking at Trey Lance, I don't want him going to a situation where I feel like he's going to be rushed into the starting job. And I don't really trust Denver's situation right now with Vic Fangio as a head coach. I mean, isn't Pat Shermer their offensive coordinator? Yeah, and and you know what? They haven't had... Uh, a good quarterback ever since Peyton Manning retired. Osweiler yeah, didn't work out. Paxton Lynch was an. I awful mean, ever pick. since John Elway retired, Peyton's <laughs> the only guy, and they signed him when he's coming off neck surgery and thirty-five years old. So, <laughs> yeah, it's it's been. Uh, I mean, John Elway has I, done everything he can to make sure that he's the best quarterback in Broncos history till the end of time. The, so, so another reason why I picked the Broncos is that when I look at the other teams in this range, it's okay. Yeah. The Dolphins already have Tua. The, the Bengals have Burrow. Uh, the Lions, no, absolutely not. <laughs> no, definitely, definitely not a Dan Campbell led team. De- so, God, no, definitely not the Lions. And then the Panthers, they have, they have Darnold, and who knows what they do with Bridgewater. So I don't, I don't think the Panthers are, are a team that would be in the running for Trey Lance. And then. I mean, no, and it, I, I agree. I it would have to that, be a team that trades up, and the uh, the possible teams that would trade up and that need a quarterback. I mean, what the Bears? Like, I don't want him to go to the. I wouldn't want him to go to the Bears. So that's kind of why I picked the Broncos. Is not only they are a decent roster, but the teams around them either don't need a quarterback, or I really just don't see it working out. So you're you're. I think you're looking way too far ahead in the draft. I think that you skipped 
the two teams who make the most sense for Trey Lance, and that is the 49ers at number three and the Falcons at number four. So I don't know I'm, if there's I'm a ton Matt, of indication. Like I get it, we're saying Mac Jones is probably going to San Francisco. That, that's but, why. That's why I didn't well, say the from Niners. From what I heard, it sounds like the personnel department, John Lynch, like they really want Trey Lance, but Kyle Shanahan is dead set on taking Mac Jones. So. They're kind of down to those two guys. I do think it'll be Jones, but number four, I think that the Falcons taking Trey Lance makes a ton of sense because he can go and there's no pressure for him to take over for Matt Ryan. They're not just going to bench Matt Ryan at this point. And they could certainly trade him, but I think it's way more likely that would happen in the offseason than at the deadline. And I, I think that would be a good spot for him. Now, at the same time, the Falcons, if they if they aren't ready to move on from Matt Ryan, then they're probably somewhat ready to contend this year. And I don't know that they would want to draft a quarterback of the future just yet. Um, so I guess beyond that point, it, it feels like he's going to end up going to a team like Carolina or Denver or Chicago, Washington, New England. Maybe one of them will trade up where it's like there's going to be a lot of pressure to get Lance on the field earlier than later. So I, I, I do kind of see this being like a, a really tough situation for him. I, I don't I don't want it to happen. But if he were to go to Pittsburgh, I think that would be a situation where it could be good, where he can spend a year learning and then be ready to take over next year. But yeah, I, I think it's going to be a tough spot. And I, last year, I was really, I really loved the idea of Jordan Love in a, a situation like that. I, I, in our mock draft we did, I had him going to New Orleans and said Green Bay takes him. And now they're just in this awkward spot where they have a quarterback in Aaron Rodgers who it doesn't make sense for them to get rid of. He just won MVP, but now they have a quarterback entering his second year of his rookie deal. And I don't know what they're going to do. So um, I, I, I guess when I look at Trey Lance, San Francisco, Atlanta, three and four. I think those are both really I mean, San Francisco ideal and logical would be spots. the the best choice of those teams. It's just that I really believe that's going to be Mac Jones. I no, think. no, that's, that's fair. And then I guess the question isn't, you know, what do you think is going to happen? It's what what is the ideal landing spot? So, right. uh, because it, there's no doubt in my mind that if he goes to Carolina or Denver, he is starting sooner than later. That they're not going to end up pulling the the leash from uh, Drew Locke or Sam Darnold. Um, you know, late. They're they're not gonna let it just play out. All right. So now let's uh let's kind of break away from the quarterback top talk and let's discuss some other guys. And we're gonna try to play matchmaker here, talk about some ideal player team combinations that don't uh involve the quarterback position. So the way we're gonna do it is three teams each, one team in the top ten, one team in the eleven through twenty range, and then one team picking twenty one through thirty two. So let's start with your top ten player team combo. All right, so the first team player combo I'm gonna go with I'm I'm gonna go with Penny Sewell with the Carolina Panthers. And you're probably wondering how do I have him dropping all the way to number eight. I actually did make a mock draft believe it or not. And a lot of people have him going number five to the Bengals, but uh, I'm believing, I'm a believer in the fact that I th- I think Burrow really likes, wants to reconnect with Jamar Chase from LSU and, and they take Jamar Chase at number five instead. And that's how I think Sewell can possibly drop all the way to number eight. And Darnold, in my opinion, I think he sucks, but he was also with the Jets, who are just the worst. And so going from the Jets to the Panthers can definitely help out his career. And they have definitely some good weapons around him and DJ Moore, Christian McCaffrey, Robbie Anderson. And they also have a pretty good coaching staff with Joe Brady 
uh, as the OC and Matt Rule. Okay, he didn't do that great last year, but it's his first year. Give him some time. And I think the next best thing to help out Darnold would be to get someone to help uh, protect his blind side. And Penny Sewell is looked at as a elite, can't-miss left tackle. So I think that makes uh, a great team-player combo. And another reason why I picked this team is I think this is a fascinating pick because what if Justin Fields is still there? I mean, that's definitely... Uh, a possible trade trade up position for a team uh, if Justin Field is still there. Well, I think there's also a, a possibility just based on a lot of reports that I've read that the Panthers could be a team that goes with a quarterback uh, despite trading for Sam Darnold. But I mean, it, it's interesting to throw that out there because there are a lot of talks you know, earlier in the offseason about whether the Jets should hold on to the number uh, to Sam Darnold and use the number two pick on Penny Sewell. Now you're getting Darnold Sewell anyway, just with Carolina. And I think there are a lot of teams that could go with Sewell. One team that I wanted to throw out there was the Miami Dolphins in this spot. But between Penny Sewell, Jamar Chase, and Kyle Pitts, I don't really think they can go wrong. So it's hard for me to really argue one of them over the other two without saying, well, actually, they should probably take this guy instead. So I'm going to focus on the Dallas Cowboys at number 10. And there have been a lot of uh, you know rumors and stuff coming out that Jerry Jones is infatuated with Kyle Pitts and that the Cowboys will do whatever they can to trade up. But recently, it's it's uh, Jerry Jones has said that's not true. Like you know, he likes Kyle Pitts as a player. Why not? He's one of the best tight end prospects we've seen in years. But it doesn't sound like the Cowboys would be willing to trade up. I think that they're much more likely to trade down, try to pick up some more assets because this is a team that had Super Bowl aspirations last season. They used a first-round pick on CeeDee Lamb, which is kind of a luxury pick, just adding to an already loaded offense. Well, that offense took a hit when Dak Prescott was injured and missed most of the season, and a big reason why their season just collapsed from there was because the defense was so bad. So to me, when I look at the Cowboys, they need to add a legitimate difference maker on defense and I'm looking at a guy who is a really strong playmaker at cornerback and that is a guy who went to my alma mater JC Horn cornerback University of South Carolina you might not be familiar with him as a Gamecock no I, I knew you're gonna say JC Horn you're certainly I, I, I knew, I'm actually Patrick surprised. Sertan is is looked at as the number one guy but there's a JC lot Horn of people as the, who like the second JC corner Horn. best corner in the draft and he went to South Carolina, so I figured you were going to say him <laughs> instead of Sertan. Yeah, well, the, the thing with Horn is that he's seen as the better playmaker. And one one description I read of him is Seahawk corner, which sounds great for Dallas when you consider their new defensive coordinator, Dan Quinn. Before he was head coach of the Falcons, he was the defensive coordinator for the Legion of Boom that went to the Super Bowl in back-to-back years in 2013 and 2014. So I love the idea of putting him in that Dallas secondary opposite Trevon Diggs, who had a really solid rookie season after being their second round pick. You already added uh, former Dan Quinn guys in DeMonte Casey and Keanu Neal safeties from the Falcons. You have a really solid safety who was their sixth round pick in 2019. Um, Donovan Wilson. He had a, a really good year last year when he was given an opportunity to start at safety. So I really like the idea of the Cowboys continuing to add to the secondary and getting to the point where they don't have have to win games 40 to 39 and that they can have a defense that can keep up with their offense i'm not going to pretend to know whether sertan is better or if horn is better but take someone on defense 
Yeah, yeah. Takes, take a player that helps your defense because you have enough players on offense and your defense was historically bad last yeah. season. And I, I know Sertan is is viewed as the, the at least the more likely guy to go number one, but there, there's a lot of people who are, who are bigger on Horn. And I mean, both these guys have NFL bloodline. Patrick Sertan's dad was a Pro Bowl corner. J.C. Horn oh, was a Pro Bowl so receiver. Old. Asante Samuel Jr. Oh, yeah. is in this draft. Yep. I know it's looking three of the top four corners are all sons of guys who played in the NFL in the 2000s. I, I think actually I don't know when Patrick Sertan played. I don't know his dad, but regardless, Joe Horn was playing receiver for the Saints when uh, you know we were we were 10, 12 years old, and uh, his son is about to be drafted. So yeah, it's, it just makes me feel so old. <laughs> absolutely. All right, let's move on to the 11 through 20 range. All right, so the second team player combo I have is Devontae Smith with the Philadelphia Eagles. And I th- I think I think wide receiver in my opinion is the biggest need for the Eagles. Now I know that they just drafted Jalen Rieger last year with their first overall first first round pick, but he was pretty underwhelming last year and JJ Arcega Whiteside, they drafted him uh, a while back in the second round. He hasn't been very good either. They also released Deshaun Jackson and Alshon Jeffrey, and who knows what's going to happen with Zach Ertz. So their receiving core is pretty pretty bad, and I think Devontae Smith is a stud. He's an amazing route runner. He won the Heisman Trophy again, and uh, I think I think it's a no-brainer to take him, especially since I think no, of course Jamar Chase won't be there by twelve, but I don't think Jalen Waddle will either will be there either, and. I think they need to get an elite receiver, and I think it makes all the, sen- all the sense in the world to take uh, Devontae Smith at 12. See, I, I could see Smith going ahead of Waddle, but I don't know. It's it's weird. This is another thing with Mac Jones see, the, where the, it's the like I is, have this I concern think, about him that I don't know I if think, it's valid just because he weighs I, 166 pounds or whatever. Yeah, people talk about Devontae Smith being small. Jalen Waddle is smaller than in, in terms of height than okay. uh, Devontae Smith. Because I mean, of course, I'm pretty sure Smith weight. is six feet, which is it yeah, just makes he, it even crazier. And, and Jalen like, Waddle is like five ten, but uh, Devontae Smith is also like one seventy. Yeah, I know. So it just it feels so small. But I guess like in, in today's NFL, like you can kind of survive that way uh, with you know the the whole player safety thing. Like there's there's less vicious hits out there, so maybe he won't be like totally destroyed on the field. But uh I, I do think that Devontae Smith is a great prospect. I, I think the Eagles should go wide receiver there and whether it's Waddle or Smith, I'm sure that Eagles fans will be happy and uh Jalen Hurts will certainly be happy. Or Joe Flacco. If he And the reason why the reason why I say Smith instead of Waddle and uh, again I have Waddle going earlier than Devontae Smith. I think NFL teams now are valuing speed a lot more than than prior years. I mean, look at last year's draft. Uh, Henry Ruggs III was arguably the third best receiver out of him, Judy, and Lamb, but he ends up going first because he's the fastest of those yep. three. And I, I was surprised. He also was drafted by the Raiders, so like true too. you know, when we talk Raiders and speed, like that's uh that's certainly a, a affinity for that. But yeah, I mean, I I, I definitely understand that that thought process and it's kind of something that I'm using here with my neck my choice in this range which is the Chargers at 13 so they need an offensive lineman uh, particularly a left tackle 
They have Brian Bulaga on the right side. They just signed Corey Lindsley to, I believe, the highest contract ever for a center, all-pro guy who was great for the Packers, and I think it's foolish that they let him go and kept Aaron Jones instead. The Chargers also signed former Steelers guard-slash-tackle Matt Filer. So they've been doing a lot this offseason to improve that offensive line, but they could still do more, get Joe Burrow more protection, and realistically... They're not getting Penny Sewell with the 13th pick. They could try yeah, to Justin trade Justin Herbert has been hammering to get to, to trade up to get yeah, Sewell, but and it's I, probably not going to happen. I guess I could see it happening if the Chargers are willing to part with enough, but uh, realistically, I think that they can get a guy who's maybe not the uh, you know as, as good as Sewell, but I don't think he's a huge drop-off at number two, and that's Rayshon Slater out of Northwestern. He's another guy who, like Sewell, opted out of the 2020 season, and... I think that he's someone who is going to be very ready still to, to come in and just be this elite left tackle. Uh, I'd certainly love for the Steelers to somehow get him at 24. I don't think that's realistic. And no, I, I would be cr- it would be crazy for the Chargers to pass on him at 13. I think that he'd be awesome for this this team and you know, really help that offense get to the next level as Justin Herbert enters year two. He's, Rashawn Slayer is definitely going in that range of 8 to 13. 8 to 13 whether it fits with the Panthers or maybe the Giants at 11 or again like you said the Chargers at 13. Yep. So I guess our our last first round pick 21 through 32 range. Yeah, so the last team player combo I have is the Tennessee Titans at 22 uh taking corner uh Caleb Farley and okay. the reason why I have that combo is because, the, see, look, the Titans, they need help everywhere on their defense. I mean, especially after they lost Clowney, they are a All team zero that, sacks he got last year. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's it's, it's sort no, of a I, loss No, I get it. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's a talented just, player. They need to they find were, a way to support that defense. They were one of the worst teams last year in pressure rate, and so they definitely need pass rushers, but I think they were even worse in their secondary. They gave up uh, the fourth fourth most passing yards. They gave up the second most passing touchdowns. So they desperately need some help when it comes to their secondary. And I think Sertan and J.C. Horn, both of those guys will be gone by 22. But Caleb Farley is arguably the next best corner in the draft. And he's a guy that is known to have top 10 talent, but has durability issues. And he also opted out last year, but just given their needs at that position and the value that he would offer, if his durability concerns won't be a problem in the NFL, I think it makes all the sense in the world to take him at 22 uh, for Tennessee. Farley is definitely a high risk, high reward player. Yeah. Just, I, and you know, I think given the reward, that injury concern, and I think the reward outweighs the risk in this situation. Yeah, I mean, I thought about saying the Bears at 20, just uh, given that they, they had to release Kyle Fuller and they replaced him with Desmond Trufant, who isn't the, the staple of health himself. So I think it would be a, a great move for the Titans to add Caleb Farley if they're getting the actual guy who could be a top 10 player. Um, I, I actually thought about going with the Titans here and saying the offensive line, but I didn't want to double up on offensive line. So the team I'm talking about instead is the New Orleans Saints at number 28. So the Saints are going to look a, a lot different than we've 
come to uh, you know be used to with that that team down in New Orleans. Obviously, the biggest difference: no Drew Brees, who retired after an excellent career, and he'll be handing over the reins to either Jameis Winston or Taysom Hill, or I, I don't know. I, I I can't imagine it'd be anybody else, but it's gonna be one of those guys. I'm personally a Winston guy. I know you're a Taysom Hill guy, so I'll I'll throw both of them out there and say that either of them could be the quarterback. But regardless, they're gonna need some help. The Saints were in cap hell entering the offseason to kind of get cap compliant. They ended up releasing Emmanuel Sanders, their their number two receiver. They have Michael Thomas. They have Traquan Smith, and there's a lot of unknowns there. So I really like the idea of bringing in another receiver to help out, you know, whoever is playing quarterback for this team. And realistically, they're not going to get one of the top three guys, Chase waddle smith so i'm looking at a guy who i believe is the fourth best receiver in this class and that is rashad bateman of minnesota i think he can step in instantly become this team's number two wide receiver excellent on the outside i know his 2020 season he had a bit of a drop off but he was a a covid opt-out who decided to come back and play but his biggest reason for not playing was because he had covid and he actually lost 10 pounds i think that it kind of got him out of football shape he wasn't totally ready for this abbreviated season that the big 10 played but i'm not I'm not too concerned about that at this point. I think that Bateman can come in and be a really reliable guy for New Orleans and that offense and kind of keep them you know, as close to where they were when, when Drew Brees was playing quarterback the past couple seasons uh, when he was, you know, before he, you know, kind of totally fell off a cliff this year. All right. So that will, uh, that will conclude this part of the, uh, you know, the, the draft process. And so now let's move on to, Uh, The team that we believe most needs to nail the draft. So, Brian, I'll let you get started with this one. So, like I said before we came on, I put down uh, several teams for this question. Uh, One of them is the the Niners, where they obviously are... They have to get the number three pick right, just given the fact that they they gave up... uh, a future first for next year and the year after and another third round pick. Uh, So they obviously have a lot of pressure uh, to nail the draft. And then of course uh, my team definitely needs to do well in this draft, but I'll get to them later. Uh, Another team that I already talked about was the Broncos and the fact that they need to get a quarterback to help their, their team make uh, a rise in their division. But the one team that I'll go in depth about, and you kind of mentioned them already, is uh, the Atlanta Falcons. And that might sound like a surprising pick just given the fact that they're not exactly the greatest team right now. But I just think that there are a lot of decisions to make on their team when you factor in uh, that Matt Ryan, is he done? No, but he's getting near the end. And they also have a situation with Julio Jones and his uh, his cap hit at almost $20 million a year. And he has... He's had injury concerns over the past few years and w- what to do with him. And and they have a decision to make at number four, whether that's taking a quarterback to sit behind Matt Ryan for the next year or two or to take a generational talent in Kyle Pitts or even maybe even Jamar Chase if they take him, if they want to take the best wide receiver. So there's a lot of decisions at four. And they also have eight other picks in, in the draft to uh, help out their roster and and then their their division is getting tougher with Tom Brady and Tampa just coming off a Super Bowl win and the New Orleans Saints even though they don't have Drew Brees 
they are still a team that does not have many holes. And Carolina, they're not great, but the Carolina Panthers are a team that looks like they could make a a sort of a splash next year. and Maybe not make the playoffs, but I would say maybe improve from last year to next season. So they're in a... Uh, they're in a tricky spot at four and throughout the rest of the draft, and they're in a t- sort of a tough division that's only getting better. And and they have a lot of decisions to make at Q- QB or someone to help Matt Ryan uh, in the offense. Oh, I, so I, I would say the Falcons. the Falcons were not a team that I was thinking of here, but I think that's a great answer because the Falcons are a team. They really need to figure out their identity heading into the 2021 season. Are they a team that's going to try to compete for a playoff spot or are they going to focus on the future and kind of enter a rebuild? Because this was a team I believe went four and 12 last year. But they had playoff aspirations heading into the season. They had a lot of really frustrating, disappointing collapses that led to losses that should have been wins. So I think there's a reason to believe that Atlanta could be a playoff team. But like you said, Matt Ryan's getting older. Julio Jones could potentially be traded uh, to get their cap space in order. There's a lot of question marks in Atlanta. So I, I definitely think that they're they're a team that really needs to get this draft right, not just for 2021, but into the future. Uh, But the team that I'm looking at is a team that really needs to get it right for the 2021 season. And that is a team that was heavily scrutinized over their draft last year. And that is the Green Bay Packers. So Green Bay last season drafted Jordan Love, a quarterback with the first round pick. They drafted uh, a running back in Boston College's A.J. Dillon in the second round. And they were widely panned because they have Aaron Rodgers, who went on to win MVP. They had Aaron Jones, who was maybe not, you know, certainly not in the Aaron Rodgers type range for running backs, but he's right up there. And they gave him a huge extension because that's how they they view him. So it almost feels like they really botched the draft last year. I don't really know what their direction is at this point, but I really think that the Packers need to nail this draft. They need to add some talent on the offensive side of the ball. Maybe this year they finally draft a receiver in the first round. They need to get another corner because that was certainly an issue for them at plenty of times last season, especially in the NFC Championship game, not having a really solid number two guy after Jair Alexander. So to me, the Packers really need to nail this draft for the 2021 season to still be competitive, to still you know be where they were as one of the top teams in the NFC and actually get over the hump heading in uh, you know, to, to the postseason and, and back to the Super Bowl because there's a lot of uncertainty with that team moving forward. So I, I really think that they need to do whatever they can to make this 2021 team as, as great as it can be. Yeah, that's well said. And I think a lot of people would say that wide receiver is their biggest need because Adams, I mean, he's obviously their number one guy, but it's a drop-off after after him. But I think Lazard and Valdez Scaling, I don't I don't want to say they're great by any means, but I think they're both decent two and number two and number three receivers. And so I would say, I, I mean, I still think wide receiver is a need, but I would actually say corner is their biggest need, especially when when you saw what happened in the last <laughs> yeah. year's NFC Championship game, giving up that horrible uh, touchdown at the end of the ha- first half uh, to Scotty Miller. Yeah, I mean, I, I talked like about Bateman. Games. I talked about Bateman in New Orleans at twenty eight. I mean, both of those teams at twenty eight and twenty nine, they could really go wide receiver or cornerback. So, and I think the Packers picking twenty nine kind of puts them in a tough spot. 
um, just you know, given that New Orleans could poach the guy that they really need there. But I, I definitely think that the Packers have some holes that they really need to address this year. Like they, they if they want to be a, a, as great as they can be, they need to focus on 2021, not draft a guy who can be a starter three years from now, like they did last year. All right, so let's uh, kind of get ready to you know wrap up the NFL draft talk by talking about our teams and we'll have you start off with the Patriots because I think it's kind of a fitting transition because there's certainly a lot of pressure on the Patriots to nail this draft. There absolutely is definitely uh, a lot of pressure on the Patriots to succeed in this draft. This might be the most important draft in uh, the team's history or at least for a while. I mean last year I guess was was supposed to be important but they didn't even they didn't do much in that draft. And <laughs> yeah, I I was I was okay with their draft afterwards. I mean, I mean days afterwards. Uh, but the way this year turned out, especially especially at tight end, taking two tight ends in the third round who did squat for their team. Yeah, their draft was pretty bad last last year, and they definitely need to <laughs> draft a lot better, of course, and. What would I like them to do at 15 in particular? Uh, I, d- I really don't think that they're going to trade up, uh, even though a lot of reports are saying that that they are that that they are going to trade up and that they're calling teams. Maybe they are calling teams. I'm not denying that. I'm just saying that I don't think it's actually going to happen. I think not only they're not going to trade up, but I, I'd imagine that they'd want to trade down and get more assets. Like, like and, Bill Belichick always wants to do. Which, Yeah, which is just the typical Bill Belichick thing to do, is, uh, especially when you factor in uh, college football last season, uh, it being shortened for conferences, and Belichick is going to think, hey, well, these teams are crazy to take one guy at such a high spot. Let's try to uh, maximize our assets by taking multiple guys in the late first early second and hey they need a third round pick after they cheated as well yeah, yeah after, true uh, <laughs> Taping after the bangles. cheating versus the the bangles <laughs> yeah of all teams and so yeah they i love that the nfl removed that round of the draft finally Instead they learned the that round. it's not yeah and they, they finally learned that hey why remove their first round pick? They they love these second and third rounds. Yeah. Let's remove <laughs> that that round instead. Uh, uh, but but in all seriousness, uh, yeah, I think they're gonna trade down and and get a late first rounder, early second rounder, and they'll take a a D lineman. Uh, it, it, so the guy that I have in my mock draft, if they stay at fifteen, uh, a guy named Quiddy Pay okay. out of Michigan. Yeah, uh, pass rusher. Yeah, and one, I love the name. Love his first name, Quiddy. Quiddy. Yeah. I mean, I like to think that he just does three pull-ups, and he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm out. <laughs> but, but in all seriousness, I, uh, he's definitely a guy that can help their pass rush. I think the the Patriots, they need help pretty much anywhere not named tight end. And I think their defense is only gaining – I mean, it's good, but it's getting older. And I don't really trust their D-line outside of maybe Lawrence Guy and – uh, another thing is they took Chase Winovich in the third round in 2019. He was he came out of Michigan last year. They took Josh Uche in the second round. He also came out of uh, Michigan as well. So I think if that correlation Belichick uh, continues, loves Michigan man. yeah, he loves taking Michigan defensive guys uh, in the early rounds. So I could see that happening. I could also see them taking. Uh, I think it's Cameron Barmore. I think Christian Barmore, defensive Christian, lineman, Christian Alabama. Barmore. Th- yeah. yeah, out of Alabama. 
I just think that because there's a there's an obvious Belichick Saban connection, mm-hmm. uh, especially when it comes to defense. He took Hightower uh, a while back in the first round. He took Cyrus Jones, who ended up sucking uh, as their as a second round pick, but their first pick in that draft again because they cheated from <laughs> Deflategate. Uh. That's why I didn't have the first round pick that year. So I could see those two guys as possible candidates in the first round for the Patriots. I don't. I really don't think it's realistic that they get, uh, they trade up and get Fields. Or I would love it. Okay, I, I was gonna say it, like, uh, I'd love if I'd be all for it, and I'd be all for if if Devonte Smith dropped them uh, at number fifteen, and they trade a second round pick to get Garoppolo. But I, I just I don't I don't. If see I was it. a Patriots fan, I would absolutely want the Patriots to get Justin Fields. I would hope that he falls to 15, uh, like some mock drafts are saying, but at the very least, I, I would certainly be okay with them trading up to like number seven or number 10 or whatever, even if it costs a future first. Or one thing I've, I've been hearing is that they're willing to discuss Vaughn Gilmore to do that. I I absolutely think so. And I, I, I think just going back to the whole like Kyle Shanahan, Mac Jones thing, I mean, he already gifted the Patriots their fifth Super Bowl back in 2017, and I can't help but think he's going to gift them Justin Fields and another franchise quarterback to keep the dynasty going for the next 15-plus years. So uh, that's certainly what I would want the Patriots to do, but I I do kind of understand the whole idea. Well, Belichick hasn't. He's not a guy to trade up. He's someone who typically likes to trade down, but his free agency was not typical Belichick. So. I think there's a reason to believe that hey maybe he's gonna maybe, do something may, different in the draft. Maybe this year. he's lost. Maybe he's lost a little bit of power in the in the GM room where it's it's not typical of Belichick to yeah spend all this money to get free agents. It wouldn't be typical of him to trade up. So maybe if they do trade up, I think that says that ownership and other guys in the room have a little bit more say. Uh, instead of Belichick just having all the power. Interesting. I yeah, just... I mean, I, I can't imagine that somebody else has is, uh, is really been able to do that. Like, I don't know how Belichick would give up power like that, but um, I, I can certainly see him being like, all right, we got to do something. We got to make a big splash after what happened this past season with Brady leaving and winning a Super Bowl elsewhere. So I guess let's focus on the Steelers now. And the Steelers pick at 24. I will say that I do not want them to trade up to draft a quarterback. Uh, you know, whether that's Trey Lance or Justin Fields, if one of them falls at 24 and they don't pick him, then I might be a little disappointed, uh, just given that I do think that those are guys with a ton of upside that could benefit from a year under Big Ben. But I certainly hope they do whatever they can to improve the run game, whether that's taking a running back or taking an offensive lineman. I'm personally of the idea that the Steelers should take the best running back, take Najee Harris if he's there. That's who I want because I'd rather the Steelers take the top running back, and then in a a draft that's supposedly deep with offensive line, take, I don't know, the seventh best offensive lineman in the second round, add another big guy in the third round, then take the fifth best offensive lineman at 24 and the seventh best running back later. Because in the past four drafts, the Steelers took James Conner in the third round, they took Jalen Samuels in the fifth round, Benny Snell in the fourth round, Anthony McFarland in the fourth round. And I know James Conner was great behind a fantastic offensive line in 2018, but none of those guys are difference makers. They're not dynamic. And I think that the Steelers would be better off getting a dynamic running back in the first round and filling the holes at offensive line in the second or third round than just taking one guy and just hoping that they they strike gold for the first time ever with a running back in the third round. Yeah, if they take Najee Harris or Travis Etienne uh, in the first round, they better 
uh, address the O line because oh yeah, if they don't address the O line. I mean, that's like that's like buying tires for a car that can't run. If you take a running back <laughs> yeah. and then just not take an O lineman yep. throughout the rest of the draft. Yeah, and like I, I've definitely been kind of convinced that Harris is a guy, but part of me can't help but look at Travis Etienne and say Le'Veon Bell and hope that they get him, just given that you know how how much he excels in the passing game, and I, I feel like he's kind of that mold. But Najee Harris is the number one guy. Javante Williams, I would love as well. I don't think that the Steelers should take him at twenty four unless those other two guys somehow go before that, and I don't think they'd be able to get him in the second round but uh, I certainly want the Steelers to get one of those three guys I really think they need to get like a difference making running back rather than hoping that a guy like Chuba Hubbard or Trey Sermon just ends up being uh, you know this this undervalued running back Um, in terms of offensive linemen I'm nervous about Landon Dickerson who's a center from Alabama with first round talent but like Caleb Farley has injury concerns and I I know he's a guy that's being thrown out there I Oh, yeah, in you my, go ahead. In my mock draft, yeah. I put Landon Dickerson 24th overall yeah. just because they need to replace Marquise Pouncey yep. who retired. Yeah, years. and that's the thing is I think that center is a more uh you know desirable position than offensive tackle uh just because so Chuck Sakor 4 is going to be the starting left tackle as of a day ago when Mike Tomlin and Kevin Colbert did their press conference he was a really solid right tackle last year and the only reason why he was a starting right tackle is because the guy who beat him out in training camp Zach Banner tore his ACL the expectation is he'll be the starting right tackle there's a lot of question marks to those guys but I, I, I feel confident in them I feel more confident I should say than those guys than I do in BJ Finney who the Steelers brought back after being a, a known like commodity who did nothing in Cincinnati and Seattle last season. And I think there's some question with David Castro because he wasn't in the, you know, the, the best health of his career last year. And I, I don't know at, at this age if he's going to all of a sudden be healthier and back to the all pro caliber guard that he has been. So uh, I do think the interior is a part where I would love them to get a guy who can step in right away more so than a tackle, but I don't think they can go wrong. And I certainly would love running back off the lineman, offensive lineman in the first three rounds. And one thing I will say is I definitely do not want the Steelers to draft a cornerback in the first round or early just because, I mean, it's it's incredible. The Steelers are so great at drafting wide receivers, but they absolutely suck when it comes to drafting corners. And I just know that if Caleb Farley's sitting there at 24 and the Steelers take him, he's never going to play a snap in the NFL. He's just going to... I kind of have that same feeling with the Patriots taking Devontae Smith. Oh, what could go wrong with taking Uh, a Heisman Trophy winner? I mean... Patriots wide receivers, yeah, not a great. So like, yeah, hey, a hundred sixty-six pound guy really can't make it in the NFL. Like, who knew? Uh, but yeah, I mean, it it is it is pretty incredible. I feel like how bad they I feel are like Devonte Smith would fit the Patriots really well, just because I think they do a great job with the the smaller receivers, the great route yeah. runners, not the guys that take the top over the defense. And they got, I mean, Nikhil Harry just blows. <laughs> he, he runs routes like he's Bambi out there yeah. just just not a guy that they should have taken uh in the first round and so so yeah i have that same worry uh in terms of even though it makes all the sense in the world to take a a guy like Devonte smith or a guy like caleb farley for the steelers it just that team and that position just don't mesh yeah for whatever i mean reason. i i do think that the steelers need to try to bring in a cornerback just given that you know joe hayden's getting older they lost mike hill in free agency they cut steven nelson 
Uh, Justin Lane, who was their third-round pick in 2019, he was expected to take on a big role this year. He just got arrested for speeding and illegal possession of a firearm, so it's hard to envision him being the factor this year he was supposed to be. So I, I do think cornerback is a need, but their track record with corners is so bad that I, I would much rather them focus on the running back or you know the running game, whether that's a running back or an offensive lineman in the first round and figure out corner later. Yeah, I, and for me, it's really just don't take a tight end. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> that's the one position on the Patriots that is pretty. They spent pretty much a lot of money. On they spent a lot of money at that position. They got the two best tight ends in free agency, and when you look at the draft, the only tight end that's worth taking or even mentioning is Kyle Pitts. Who yeah, and I'd it, imagine would. I'd imagine he'll go probably fourth overall yep. uh, to the Falcons. Yep. I, I mean I mean who who knows maybe maybe the Niners are just playing everyone they'll they'll take him third overall get the best <laughs> tight end uh group in in the league and they could be sponsored by uh Kibbles and and Bits <laughs> and Yeah, and, and Kibbles and, and Kittle and Pitts, yeah. <laughs> that would be I don't know it'd be a good combo. It doesn't really address their concerns at quarterback but I uh, yeah I don't know because like there's a lot of uh, reports about the Patriots potentially trading up to four with the Falcons. That would be because if they do that, it's like oh they're gonna take Justin Fields or Trey Lance and they take Kyle Pitts instead and just have the the yeah. greatest tight end room ever assembled. <laughs> Three elite tight ends uh, on their team. That'd be nuts. Yep. All right, so that'll wrap up the uh, the NFL draft coverage. We will ge- be getting back to you next week, and I'm pretty sure we're going to be joined by Benjamin Carlson. He'll talk about the, the 49ers third overall pick. We'll get his reaction, whether it's Mac Jones or someone else, and we'll kind of recap all of the, uh, the biggest news and storylines that come out of this weekend. But for now, let's get ready to close out the show with our five-question segment. So I'll get us started here with question one. Madison Bumgarner allowed zero hits in the second game of a seven-inning doubleheader on Sunday. Should MLB have counted it as an official no-hitter? You're probably going to disagree with me, but I'm I'm totally fine with it counting as a no-hitter. He pitched the whole game, and there was no hits allowed on the board. And as someone that would like to see games shortened to seven innings... There'll be a million no hitters if that were to happen. Yeah. But hey, you know what? It counts. I <laughs> I know that's I know I know we're gonna. Oh no, I I definitely but... disagree with this. I mean, it, the, the <laughs> rules say like when when the MLB like the, when they decide, define what a no hitter is, it's nine innings or at least nine innings. And look, I get that this game was scheduled for seven innings. It's not like a game being rained out after seven innings and a pitcher solving no hitter. But that being said. It was a rescheduled game. It wasn't supposed to be a doubleheader. It just it got rained out, and the rain just canceled the whole game instead of the last two innings. So, uh, which I mean, it, that was what happened. The rain canceled the last two innings in the end. I, I mean, look, if you want to throw an asterisk on it because it, they went in saying it was seven innings, and I guess okay. But even that, I think it's so silly just to say that a seven inning no hitter is the same as a nine inning no hitter. And for the record, yeah. my answer is more of a troll. No, and I, than, I get that. <laughs> than a real well, answer. <laughs> well, I think that the better answer to this question is the MLB should just get rid of seven inning doubleheaders. And it sounds like we're going to disagree on that. I, I, I don't know. I thought I liked them. And then this happens. And I'm like, this is so dumb. Like, why are we having this conversation? Like, why is this a thing we're doing? Why do we still have the runner starting on second base and in extra innings? I Oh, so see that one, I am 
like not trolling. Yeah. I am actually for you know I the, I the get not second. wanting games to go fifteen innings for no reason, but I I don't know I I don't like that. So one thing so the Pioneer League I don't know if it's Double A or Class A, but it's it's a minor league. They're going to have uh, instead of extra innings, they're going to have a home run derby where each team picks a guy to hit five pitches and uh whoever hits the most home runs in the home run derby wins the game kind of like a like a shootout or a penalty kicks love it i i think love it's it. a fun concept i i would like that i think over the i think the i've actually around second. i don't know if i've proposed it on here or just with friends outside yeah. here but i i feel like i've said that in the past a home run derby uh, it's it's a fun concept so i i I, the one tweak i would say is i like the idea of playing a 10th inning just kind of like like with soccer or like with uh with um hockey just having it right. one you other have the 90 you have the 90 minutes you but then the you have the, 30. the extra is it 15 yeah, there's two, minutes two in 15 soccer? minute halves in two 15 the okay. extra time but yeah you had a another third of the game in uh soccer i don't know you need to play another three innings before you get to that point but i mean i, I like the idea of what the nhl does it's an extra five minutes the same thing as an extra inning just you know one more inning right. and then like all right let's let's end this here and let's do our home run derby I think that I think that should be the idea. Have a tenth inning, and if it's still tied, yeah, have a home run derby, and it, yeah, I'd have, that'd be fun to watch. I know you. I mean, you do have have to have a guy in the roster spot whose number one job is to make sure that whoever you have your home run hitter is is just hitting bombs out of the stadium, I'd, just like the you know the I, I would the I dad would, in the I would home call, run derby. Uh, yeah, I would get Adam Dunn out of out of retirement yeah. to come out and uh, <laughs> just hit home runs in home run derby, not even, okay, not even doing I mean, anything else. Well, Matt Stairs, I guess, like a, a player of that type where that's all they do is they just come off the bench and mash home runs. Uh, that's what I'm yeah, saying, yeah. Yeah, like the... the Willie Mo Pena. The, that, that pinch hitter who's just a, a you know big bomb guy. All right, let's do question number two right, now. Question, question number two, the 93rd Academy Awards presented... Uh, Oscars to a bunch of movies neither of us have seen. What were some of your favorite movies from 2020? Yeah, and I mean, I, there are some movies that I have seen that I really enjoyed that did win Oscars. Oh, I should say, only one actually won an Oscar that sold the Disney Pixar movie. It won Best Animation and Best Music. Awesome movie, really enjoyed that one. Another one that got nominated for a few awards but didn't actually win, The Trial of the Chicago 7, which I I think is a really great movie, and it was very topical when it came out at the end of 2020. It was about the... um, 1968 Democratic National Convention in Chicago, a bunch of protests that uh, turned violent because of uh, police brutality. And I think it was just like really became something that they they made before, you know, what what 2020 this summer with all the protests, but it became even more topical because of that. A really great film, Steven Spielberg film. Um, so that that's a one that I want to throw out there. Another one that I really love, and I'm a little surprised you haven't seen, is King of Satin Island. So this is one where I had to see, not because of Pete Davidson. I I don't I'm indifferent to him. I don't hate him. I don't love him. But Bill Burr is in it, and Bill Burr is uh, he's one of, if not my favorite comedians. I know he's way up there for you as well. Oh no, he's he's number one. Yeah, uh, he's... in terms of comedians, and he would be the reason why I would watch this. I haven't seen it. I have yeah. heard of it. I'm. Just... But I, I think it's a good movie. I enjoyed I would, it a lot. Okay, and that helps because that would be my only reason to watch is because of Bill Burr. 
Yeah, and then one other one, which like, so this technically came out in 2019, but it wasn't released in like actual theaters or actually I think it was it's just a Netflix movie. I, I don't know how it came out, but it wasn't released in the United States until early 2020. And that's The Gentleman, which is a, a movie with Matthew McConaughey in the starring role where he plays like this British uh, cannabis drug dealer. It's that's a really interesting one. Um, I, I enjoyed that one, but I don't know if that would technically have counted in this Oscar cycle. I don't, I don't know what the the dates were. Yeah, um, any every time I look at a the the list of movies that are being nominated in the Oscars, typically I've only seen one or two movies anyway. Uh-huh. Most of the movies that I watch uh, do not appear on Oscar list. Yep, and for this and. For this year's Oscars, I did not see a single movie, which was a shame, but for obvious reasons, because most of the movies didn't weren't really released or yeah, a lot they were of eventually movies. released, mm-hmm. but later. And the two movies that I wanted to watch that were supposed to come out last year were one uh, called No Time to Die, which is the most recent James Bond movie, okay. uh, starring, starring Daniel Craig, of course, but also stars Rami Malek, who I thought was excellent in- Bohemian Rhapsody, the Queen, the Queen movie, mm-hmm. and the other movie that I wanted to watch that did, was supposed to come out again last year, but won't come out until May, I think, is A Quiet Place Two. If you remember oh, when we yep. did our Halloween top five, I had A Quiet Place uh, ranked as my favorite movie, and I I love that movie. And they have a a part two uh, for that film, which I definitely want to see, especially after watching the trailer. It looks amazing as well. So. Those are the two movies I wanted to watch that were supposed to come out last year, but don't come out until later this year. I thought you were gonna say Fast and the Furious Nine. <laughs> no, every Fast, every I've watched the first, I, start to finish. I think I've watched the first three, and after yeah. that, it's just it's just the same thing all over. I'm again. pretty sure the only one I've seen is the fifth movie. I remember seeing that one in theaters. This is probably like 2012. It was actually during like the Friday night of the NFL draft. And I remember like, you know, I, I was watching the movie, but I definitely had it pulled up on my phone, just like keeping up with the draft order the whole time. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, it's like you said, it's kind of like they're fun concepts, but I don't know how they continue to make nine installments of this film. And it still continues to be like one of the highest grossing movies ever. Uh, All right, so let's move on to question three. So the European Super League was quickly tabled after significant outrage from fans and the media. As an American who isn't a huge soccer fan, would you like to see the ESL actually happen at some point? So my first answer, my true answer is that I don't care. But if I have to pick between yes or no, I would say no because a lot of fans were outraged uh last week they were after yeah. the news came out and cronky uh, out. I, I and i love as someone that can relate to uh john henry ownership not only <laughs> do red sox fans hate john henry but now liverpool fans and soccer fans also hate him now as much success as he he's had as an owner i love that both baseball and soccer fans uh hate him and it it's it's super obvious that he's a guy that just cares about how much money he's make how much money something like that puts in in his pocket and he doesn't really look at it from a fan's perspective and so i my answer is i don't care but if i have to pick between yes or no i'm going with no i do not i love how john henry was a a 
key part of four World Series victories, and everyone just all of a sudden hates him just because he traded Mookie Betts, and uh, that's just the kind of player <laughs> Betts is. But yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I I I get why a lot of European soccer fans are upset. Just totally changes the dynamic of what the sport has been for the last hundred years or whatever. But I can't help but think, I don't know, playing uh, like Barcelona and Manchester City playing on a Wednesday afternoon sounds kind of fun. That sounds more fun than Manchester City facing, I don't know, Burnley on a, a Saturday morning. Like, why why not want to watch the best teams play? Uh, as someone who doesn't really have much skin in the game when it comes to European soccer, that I feel like it's something that would maybe get me more interested if uh, all like the best teams are facing each other. And uh, yeah, I get that actual fans of the Premier League or Serie A or La Liga or you know whatever other league could potentially join this would would absolutely hate it. And I I totally get like not wanting to change the you know Americanize the the sport. But as an American who doesn't really care about the sport, I don't know. It sounds sounds kind of fun. No, no, a that's, that's a totally that's a totally valid point. I mean. Back in the early 21st century, it would have been cool to see uh, a, a Ronaldinho-led Barcelona team versus a, a, a Wayne Rooney-led Manchester United team. That is all that the time. Like they didn't have to face each other in Champions League. They'd just be on the schedule twice a year. Yeah, so that, I can see your point. Yeah, I mean, I guess the one thing I'll say, though, is I'm glad that the Super League isn't happening if it means that we're not going to lose talent from the World Cup. Because that is the one, one like, soccer thing that I actually do really care about, do really enjoy watching, and I would hate to have the World Cup sacrifice talent over this. And part of me, I've talked about this before with you guys, that I, I don't like the World Cup, and it's strictly just because the men's team is... It's just I, I not good. That. Yeah, it's it's such a disgrace that we have 300 million plus people in our country, and we can't form a soccer team that can get to the qualifying rounds. Yeah, and it's like just that's so bad. Part of me is like, wouldn't the Super League kind of be good for the U.S. because we wouldn't be losing as many guys? I know Christian Pulisic, and then there are other guys like Dent McKinney. I don't even know their first names. They they play in I don't know the Premier League or. Not Bundesliga, Serie A or La Liga, I guess. They wouldn't be able to participate. But I do think that, uh, you know, there's a possibility. Maybe those guys would be like, hey, I care more about uh, being an American soccer player than I do being a European soccer player. Not only would they leave the EPL or whatever to have uh, their eligibility for World Cup, but maybe they'd go to the MLS and all of a sudden the MLS becomes a Super League instead. So. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. That's probably a pipe dream. They would really rather just play for Liverpool or Manchester City and make millions and millions of dollars and play for a, a U.S. team that can't even qualify there for the World Cup. <laughs> All right. So question number four, we talked about our top five favorite chain restaurants a couple weeks ago. What is the worst chain restaurant you have ever been to yeah so i i have a few answers for this one so um let's kind of let's start off with fast food and for fast food i have two answers i have one where it's not quite national uh and then one where it is national so i'll start with my not quite national one and that is hardy's so have you ever been to a hardy's i don't think yeah, there are any yeah. new, are it's, there in new england isn't it also carl's, carl's jr so went, on yeah. the west coast so yeah. i'll so as someone that has family in the South. Okay, so you've only been to places. the Har- Hardee's in the South. So I'm right in saying I, that we couldn't is go Carl's to Is Carl's Jr. in the South no, too, or is it's it? it's the West, West Coast. Okay, like so I've only been to, I've only been to Hardee's. Yeah, I guess. okay. Yeah. 
And I've been to Hardee's, I don't know, three or four times. And every time I've gone, I've been disappointed. I always go in with high expectations. I see their commercials and it looks so good. And then I actually have it. And it's just, it's gross. I remember they came out with their own four for four. It might have even been a five for four. I'm like, I know Burger King did that where you threw in a cookie. I want to say Hardee's did the same thing. And I was, I was excited to try it. And they're like, oh, it comes with a chicken sandwich instead of chicken nuggets. And the chicken sandwich was so bad. The burger wasn't very good. I've, uh, I've never enjoyed Hardy's. So to me, that's one where I can't help but think that's like the worst one I've been to. Uh, but there is one other national chain, and I'm pretty sure you and I are going to strongly disagree on this one. But my, my national fast food chain that I think is the worst is Burger King. And when I was a kid, I used to love going to Burger King. It was my my favorite. They had one in uh, the, the food court in our like local mall. And, uh, it was, it was always, a <laughs> it was always a, a fun time. Uh, God, what am I saying? It's like, I was laughing at your dad in the background there, but uh, anyway, yeah, we'd always go to, I would always go to the food court. Um, and, uh, when I went to the mall and I would go to Burger King and I loved it as a kid, it was my favorite fast food place. And then I stopped going there at some point. I started going to other, um, food court places. And I remember you and I went to Burger King. It was uh, freshman year of college spring break i was i was home and we had just went to my uh brother and dad's city league basketball game and you know on the way back we decided to stop at burger king for dinner and i was like all right i've been at burger king in a while I used to love it i'm excited yeah let's go back and i thought it was disgusting i i was horrified <laughs> and i have yet to go back and like really loved it every time i've been since is i've been like it's okay at best and terrible at worst so yeah to me burger king is is my least favorite fast food restaurant yeah, I'm going to disagree with you on both of those choices. I mean, so Hardee's, I don't love Hardee's by any means, but I think it's fine. I've been there a few times. I did not love or hate it. I thought it was decent. And okay. then for Burger King, so I, I obviously like Burger King more than you do, but I, I didn't want to put it in like top five or anything. Yeah. But it is, out of the big three, it is my second favorite uh behind Wendy's of course but ahead, ahead of, McDonald's. of McDonald's yeah yeah so I do like Burger King to an extent I uh I like their and they have plenty of value on their menu as well where their their chicken they sandwiches do. are a dollar yep. and their fries are a dollar I will say though my biggest criticism of Burger King is I think their chicken nuggets suck oh I know they're <laughs> I, so gross they're between McDonald's Wendy's Burger King they definitely have the worst mm-hmm. chicken nuggets yeah and the, so I mean I their, their chicken fries are a fun concept but they're not that much better mm-hmm. and the the chicken nuggets they once had it 10 for a dollar yeah like, I remember that. it better be a dollar yeah. I'm not paying <laughs> more than a dollar for this crap no yeah. way uh, yeah uh so so I'll disagree on Burger King but I I think we're on the same page when it comes to their chicken nuggets yeah. and then Hardee's I don't have a great opinion of it but I definitely like it more than you. Uh, So for my worst fast food restaurant, I went once and maybe it was unfair because I should have tried other things in the menu, but I really did not enjoy Quiznos the one time I went. And uh, I think I got a chicken sub, but there's something like that. But whatever it was I got the one time I went, I really did not like it. And Subway is much, much better. And I... I think that's been proven by how Quiznos is not really as great or 
really competing at all really with subway now i I mean i think that they have a ton that are going out of business uh i i thought about putting quiznos here but i've only been once and i was like i don't know if that was just a a singular bad experience that had been enough to say like it was a consistent thing but yeah quiznos is it's it's not good compared to subway that's for sure all right so i'm glad we're on the same page with quiznos Mm. yeah i I don't even know the last time i saw a quiznos commercial so i I can't help but think that they're just like they used to yeah it was always Mm-hmm. Mm, toasty. toasty yeah i know they and then now all the that i don't even see i don't even see commercials for them anymore nope nope so yeah there's a uh, probably a reason why they're gone um but i guess uh, just real quickly let's uh kind of shift the focus to sit down wait staff type um re- national restaurant chains so right. Uh, this is another one where I have two examples, one that's kind of not really national, then one that's actually national. The one that's kind of not really national is Steak and Shake. And this is one where I think I have it um, valued so low just because so many people are so high on it. And uh, I went for the first time uh, 2017, senior year, driving down to Orlando for spring break, stopped at a Steak and Shake in Savannah. And I, I remember thinking it was fine. Uh, you know, it was like one of those where I was just so excited about the experience that I couldn't help but enjoy it. But then a couple years ago, one of my friends from uh, New England came to visit North Carolina and he really wanted to go to Steak and Shake. So I was like, all right, let's go to Steak and Shake. Why not? I haven't been there in a while. Let's let's try it out. And I thought it was disgusting. I hated my burger. I did not think that the fries were any good. I was like, this is a horrible meal. But the one thing I'll say is the shakes are good, but it, it's hard to mess up shakes. And uh, I, I don't know, like it's called Steak and Shake. I hope that their shakes are good. But then when I talk about the food itself, it's it's not very good. So I've I've uh, I've never been. So I yeah. have been to Hardee's, but and obviously Burger King, of course, but mm-hmm. never been to a Steak and Shake. Okay, and then my my actual national one, which is another one where I'm pretty confident that you're gonna uh, not be a fan of this pick, but that's Denny's, and I have never had a good experience uh, at Denny's. I know it's okay. I mean, I I love the just the fact that. It, the, the memories of going to Denny's. Oh, most of my memories of going to Dem- Denny's at one in the morning are showing up, getting either getting food I don't like or being told that the milkshakes machine is closed for the night. So I don't even get anything. <laughs> their, their, their Oreo milkshakes are amazing. Yeah, that's another thing. Yeah, they have great milkshakes, but the food is just not good. I would much rather go to IHOP or Waffle House than Denny's. I do agree that... So in terms of value, Denny's is better than IHOP, but, the, ter- but, two, but the food three, quality, I would, I would rather eat at IHOP than go to Denny's. It was just really convenient, just the fact that Denny's was open 24. I think IHOP m- IHOP might be is open now, now, but it, I know. I yeah, remember but it wasn't before. It wasn't. At yep. the time when we went a lot, it, it was Denny's was the one that was open 24 hours. So it was just more convenient at Denny's. I'm not going to mm-hmm. say, oh, I can't believe you okay. have Denny's is the word. Like, That's, I don't care. I know no, we used to fine. go a lot, but I, I, I didn't yeah. know how much was I'm, it loving I'm it fi- or just convenience. That's like Hardee's for me, which is like, I don't love Denny's, but yeah. I'm fine with it. I don't hate it. Yeah, that's fair. Um, and then so for me, I think I've told you this before. Yeah, I went to Cracker Barrel once, and you will never see me there again. I will never go back yeah. to a Cracker Barrel ever again. And Is it because of the food or the atmosphere? Oh, it's because. <laughs> oh wait, have I told you this story? I don't think so. I've told you. This... Oh wow, I don't All right, know. Well, this Maybe new for you then. Yeah. All right. So when I was when I was nine years old, I went to. Cracker Barrel one day with family and I got uh yeah food I, I don't know if it was breakfast or lunch I think it was lunch and got burgers and fries and burger and fries and um 
had a shake and I went to the bathroom and I was done, but then it just got worse and it got to the point where once I made it to the bathroom again, let's just say I was too late and it was oh, man. definitely the most embarrassing moment of my life. And I guess the one good thing I'll say is I'm glad Cracker Barrel had a gift shop <laughs> for clothes <laughs> because I needed new clothes. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I can I can uh, see hating Cracker Barrel for that reason. I haven't been to a Cracker Barrel, I think, since like 2011, 2012. It's been almost a decade now. And I remember the last time I went, I got a huge steak and I got three sides with it because that's what it came with. And I remember loving it. And I've I've thought about going back since then, but I, I just haven't. It's a place where I'm pretty sure the only time I've been there has been on road trips. And I, I don't know, just, just not really a place that I like to stop on road trips myself. I'd rather get to my destination and stop somewhere quick than sit down at Cracker Barrel. So. Yeah, and, and I, was, I was with family. So it mm. wasn't just like me and like parents. It was me, parents, cousins aunts <laughs> uncles so basically Everyone. my entire family of like 20 plus people yeah we're like you, you hear about brian yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah yeah he doesn't he doesn't smell great yeah no, no. <laughs> oh that's so awful yeah so nine years old yep so it's been it would scar me for years. life yeah i wouldn't be able to go so back I w- i'm completely scarred for life at cracker Rail. Right. and i and <laughs> now that i've seen recently not not like days recently but they've about like a year or so ago uh they started having commercials with cracker barrel and it's just yeah. like oh no <laughs> it's, they, they're not popular enough to be on tv uh, yeah i know that's uh that that's a tough one so all right let's uh let, let's wrap things up with question number five let's uh let's let's change topics here and uh all right so the last question tesla and spacex ceo elon musk will be hosting saturday night live on may 8th what are your thoughts on snl's choice here so this is another question where my real answer is that I don't care because I don't really watch Saturday Night Live. And when I do, it's only if it's someone I like. And, and it's not even on Saturday. I would watch it days later on YouTube and watch it. And if it's only a person that I like, like Bill Burr or whomever. And uh, Elon Musk, I mean, I don't know if he's funny or not. So I guess, I, I don't think he is. Yeah. And so I don't. I don't I don't love the choice and and also another thing is I another thing to talk about is that I don't I don't care for the NASA or space travel and I it just oh let we've ruined this planet let's go let's go to another <laughs> planet <laughs> like I'm not I'm not into that stuff either so I don't know if he's funny and, and I'm, I'm gonna go with you on that or default I, to you. I mean and if he's not funny then that why is he he's not a comedian you know so, I so when it comes to Elon Musk I'm pretty indifferent I I'm not into crypto I, I don't love the you know Bitcoin Dogecoin like I don't I don't have any of there's that. a part of me like, that wants to get into there, it there but is as well I, w- but... I, w- I really I, I don't I don't really fully understand it so that's yeah. why I'm oh not, I'm the same way I I'm, I don't invest in regular stocks and stuff. Like I don't want to get into a, a cryptocurrency that I don't understand and hope for the best, just because everyone else is doing it. That's th- I have that exact same feeling because I I follow several other people on Twitter that are really into Bitcoin and cryptocurrency mm-hmm. and and crypto punks, and it's just yeah I don't fully understand that stuff. Uh-huh. That's that's why I haven't gotten into it. Maybe I will at some point, but I don't know. 
I'm I'm with you on the whole SpaceX stuff. I I don't really care about that. And I I mean I I like the idea of owning a Tesla someday, but that doesn't necessarily mean that I I'm gonna obsess over Elon Musk. So I'm certainly not one of those people. But I know that Musk has a huge fan base, which is a little strange to me uh, that a, a tech CEO would have a a following like he has. But because of that, this is gonna be one of the highest rated SNLs of the last I don't know 15 years. So like. Yeah, I understand why Lauren Michaels wants to do this. And the fact that he's making Miley Cyrus a musical performer, even the people who absolutely hate Elon Musk are going to tune in just for Miley at the end. So to me, this is, uh, I I think it's a solid business decision. You can complain about Musk being host. I I know a lot of people are saying like, this is like the worst decision they've made since Trump was the the host of SNL back in 2015. Like Musk is not a popular guy with the main SNL crowd, but But he's a popular enough guy. Yeah. People are going to watch it. And I don't know. I mean, SNL has not been the same in recent years. I, I, I'm kind of with you. Like there are times where I'll go back and watch SNL on YouTube, but any time that I've been like, Oh, I don't have anything going on and I'm going to turn SNL on Saturday night at 1130. I haven't been impressed. I haven't been laughing the whole time. It's been disappointing. I do enjoy watching, um, Colin Jost and Michael Shea on the, uh, the weekend update, but I like Seth Meyers better. And uh, you know, I like I liked a lot of the the older SNL cast members much better than what they have today. So I, I don't care. I'm probably not going to watch it, uh, but I know a lot of people are going to tune in and they're going to enjoy it, even if Elon Musk is uh, not very funny. I'm sure he'll, I don't know, maybe find some way to entertain people. And he did tweet out, let's find out just how live Saturday Night Live really is, which feels even more threatening than uh, Kyle Shanahan's statement about <laughs> not guaranteeing uh, Jimmy Garoppolo be alive on Sunday. Yeah. So, all right, that'll that'll wrap up uh, this week's episode. So a lot of fun talking about the NFL draft, and I'm sure that uh, there's going to be a lot of things wrong. So hopefully you listen to this on uh, Thursday morning because – if you listen after, then who knows how uh, how bad some of our, our takes about the first round will end up looking. So we'll, uh, we'll be back next week to recap. So with that, for my, my co-host, Brian Wells, I'm Corey Novotny. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>